0: Get a few people upset here and there, but um, I think most people would actually be pretty happy about it. As a matter of fact, you're dismissed. We just won't teach it all. Um, but um, <clears throat> I want to wrap up this series that I've we've been doing. I talked to you several weeks ago about the six seasons of temptation, and uh, then I've been talking to you about the six seasons of prayer that these have to do with um, spiritual warfare. And then on Sunday morning, in Sunday school, I'm doing a series on the necessity of discernment. All of these goes together. What I'm teaching on Sunday morning and what I've been teaching on Wednesday night, they all go hand in hand. So when you're tempted and you feel the urge to pray in certain ways, it's imperative that you feel some element of discernment as to why. And if you know why, have some ideas as to why, it can help you to know what to pray about. So I would like to read tonight a, a verse of Scripture, and I want to remind you of it. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, the devil has desired to sift you, to have you that he may sift you as wheat but I have prayed for thee that your faith fail not. And I think we think that just applies to Simon Peter because he was the the big mouth of the group and he was going to preach the day of Pentecost and Jesus had to make sure he was intact and ready for that big event and all that. Um, This scripture, this statement Jesus said that Satan has desired to have you. Was not just applicable to Simon Peter. That's applicable to everybody in this building. The devil does not like the fact that you're here tonight. He doesn't like it when you pray. He doesn't like it when you every day determine that you're going to live for God. And he will do anything. Everybody say anything. anything. You'll do anything. Anything. Doesn't matter how small, how big. It doesn't matter what direction it comes. He will attack you from all all sides, all sides. It doesn't matter. So I have felt an urgency and a literal pressing in the Holy Ghost to continue to bring to your mind that we are all in a spiritual battle tonight. And... um We have some newer people that has just started attending Grace Church. We welcome you with all of our heart. But uh, some of you may have experienced some very negative circumstances that that brought you here. No doubt the devil tried to get up in those circumstances to encourage you not to go anywhere at all. That if it's not working at the church you were in, then what makes you think it's going to work in the church you're going to? He'll do anything. Y'all understand me? he'll use marital situations kid situations parent situations he'll use anything it doesn't matter to sift us to cause you to doubt and it's it started with with eve when he said yea hath the god said hath god just just let me raise a little question here in your mind so we must understand that paul said in second corinthians lest satan should get an advantage of us We are not ignorant of his devices, and that's where discernment comes in. It's where you have to have the ability to discern that if something's going on in your life, you can kind of put your finger on where it's really coming from, what's really behind it. So again, I'll remind you that we did a series, I'm going to do a little bit of review here, uh, on the seasons of temptation. The first season of temptation takes place immediately after conversion. The second season of temptation takes place when the pain of life settles in on us. Not to be humorous, but oftentimes it happens when people get married. Uh, you're, You're trying to build a home. You're trying to build a marriage. You're going to start building a family, and the devil will do anything he can to disrupt that. He'll do it when you have your first child. He'll do it when you have your second one. I'm telling you, he uses anything. Anything. Um, I've heard people, they keep having kids and then after a while they say we can't come to church anymore because you have too many kids and they don't know how to behave. I've had people tell me that. The devil has used their children. The third, third season of temptation takes place when we're about to embark on some great victory. The fourth season will take place when the devil puts fear near, puts objects near us that will cause us to fall. The fifth uh, season of temptation will take place after we've received great grace and mercy from God. The sixth is when will take place when we're in our hour of death. So you have to understand, folks. I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. You have to understand the devil's devices. As I preach to you Sunday morning, you don't win the battle of faith in one battle. It's every day. You fight the fight of faith, and the New Testament teaches that. Um, Now, when you are tempted, if you can discern thoughts in your head, if you can discern feelings in your head, if you can discern what's going on in the circumstance, if you can discern what's going on around you, whatever it is, if you can discern that, now I can steer you to the remedy. When you're in that moment of temptation and you want to throw the towel in and quit. And that is prayer. You, you do not not pray about it. You pray about it. Facebook don't answer prayers. Social media doesn't answer prayers. Your friend can't answer prayers. You need to talk to God about it. You pray about it. And if he don't change the circumstance, he'll give you the ability. He'll empower you to go through it. So, just as there are seasons of temptation, there's also seasons of prayer. But this just isn't any prayer. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> I'm as guilty as anyone else of praying when your mind is somewhere else. You're saying, Oh God, Oh God. And it's really bad when you're praying and you forget what you were saying to God, and you have to say, okay, God, what was I just saying? My mind kind of wandered off there for a minute. Um, But but you can have moments where you're praying. It's kind of like talking to your spouse, but your mind ain't there. Your brain is somewhere else. Okay. To give you an example about the seasons of prayer I'm talking about, I'll use this example, and you've heard it. Um, when sister Murph was at the campground year before last and, um, had a, the onslaught of a, uh, high blood pressure situation. She was by herself. She had no one Joseph and, um, somebody from the church was on the campground. She called them. They took her to the hospital. Um, test showed she even had a stroke. Thank God. All that was taken care of. I believe God answered prayer, but that morning, we hours of the morning, uh, Casey and I, uh, drove to the. Um, to the campground to get my vehicle that uh, Sister Murphy was actually carried to the hospital in an ambulance so I could drive to the hospital when I got to the hospital to see her the room started spinning I walked outside for some fresh air it it didn't cease I finally went to my car turned it on turned the air on full blast and started praying I literally felt like I was dying. I started seeing specks. Uh, I was losing consciousness. I ultimately passed out. Come to find out I was dehydrated. That's the end of that story. But at the moment, uh, I was very nauseated and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I caught somebody going by and said, go get me some help. But at that moment, I wasn't praying distracted. I wasn't thinking about what I had to do at the church when I got back. My mind was on my circumstance at that moment. And that's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. You have seasons of prayer when you have to pray like you've never prayed before. And that's what this series has been about. So this is why it's imperative that you give yourself to prayer. Even when you don't feel like you need to pray, you still discipline yourself to pray means we have to take time out of our busy schedule and set aside time to pray because prayer is a discipline and it can be very challenging to determine to make time for praying. We have to prevail over ourselves. It very well could be that there is a spiritual laziness that can settle in on us. We may also have to battle against restlessness that does not allow us to get focused in our praying. I've seen more than one person I've seen more than one person, seen more than one person. You hardly ever see them at a prayer meeting. You hardly ever see them at pre-service prayer, but let something blindside them and you can't keep them out of this church. That's why disciplined prayer is so imperative. You can come talk to God when it's serious in your life and you're not trying to figure out how to pray. You already know how to pray. But in the end, prayer can prevail over a bad attitude. It can prevail over laziness. It can prevail over restlessness. It can prevail over a weak spiritual life. It can prevail over the tendency to doubt. It can prevail over carnality and worldliness. Prayer can prevail over personal situations and trials. Prayer can prevail over people. Prayer can prevail over the devil. And I did a little word study today when Jesus said, In Mark chapter 11, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That word desire means spiritual relationship. That's what the word means, if you want to look it up in your Strong's. That's the Greek word. So whatever things you desire in your spiritual relationship with God, if you ask, he'll give it to you. We want God to give us money and houses and cars and a better job. That's not what he's talking about here. He wants to bless you in your spiritual life. If he can bless you spiritually, then all the other things will be added unto you, the Bible said. So because we are in a spiritual battle, we must pray. We must pray. And the list that I've gone through on Wednesday night is not exhaustive. There's far more than six seasons of prayer, but uh, I've already covered five with you. I'll review the fifth and then talk about the sixth uh, time to pray. One of the most comforting scriptures I find in the Bible is found in Jude verse 24. Jude said, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. God is able to Keep us from falling. I think all of us would agree tonight our world is on a slippery slope right now. Our government is on a slippery slope. Our culture is on a slippery slope. Um, there's churches on a slippery slope. There's church people on a slippery slope. But the, one of the beauties of prayer is that through it, God can keep you from falling it's interesting to me that i've seen people and there's people in this building right now who have been through things that they didn't deserve in my opinion there's people here tonight that suffered at the hand of circumstances health issues loss what have you that's it's not fair i don't care how you slice it it's not fair there's other people that's been through things far less severe And the people who've been through things far less severe are shaken completely off their path and they abandon their relationship with God. And I've often pondered that. Why can some people go through some things that are so difficult and survive it and other people who that cannot survive things far less trivial? I have a feeling tonight, if you, if people would be honest, it would go back to the development or undevelopment of their prayer life. You have to understand, folks, and prayer is probably for most of us sometimes very boring because you're talking to somebody you can't see. If we're honest here tonight, we would all admit there's probably a lot of people that we have to talk to that we wish we couldn't see. Just be a whole lot better if there's on the other side of the planet about right now. But, but it's, it's I, I agree tonight, I admit, that oftentimes it's hard to pray because you're talking to somebody you can't see and they don't talk to you back, back to you audibly. But what we have to understand is prayer is kind of like a good dinner. When you leave it, you're feeling pretty good. You have a confidence, you have a faith. All of these things go into the development of, of Christian people. You have to pray. I don't care how much you attend church. It doesn't matter how much you give in the offering. If you don't pray consistently, you're not going to be a healthy child of God. You're just not. You, you have to pray. Does everybody understand that? Uh, spend as much time talking with your family, especially your spouse. Spend the exact same amount of time talking to them in a week as you do God. And see how your relationship with your spouse goes. On top of that, talk to your spouse the same way you talk to God. Oh, honey! Oh, honey! Oh, honey! Oh, honey! Oh, honey! Oh, honey! 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 Woo! Honey! Oh, honey! Woo! Honey! <laughs> you ever wonder? God looks at us sometimes and say, what in the world are they saying to me? I don't even have a clue what they're... You know? We talk to God sometimes like he's stupid. We talk to God sometimes like he don't have a clue, like he don't understand. We talk to God sometimes like he's, like he's a child. We talk to God sometimes like he's a million miles away. The Bible teaches us across the board to talk to him like you would a father like a loving father, a normal father, not necessarily like the one you have, but the perfect father. Talk to him like that, Dad. I understand that language because I am one, and I can promise you there's a lot of kids that can talk to me and say whatever you want to say, but the whole thing changes when it's that one over there because that one's mine. Your daughter can talk to me And that's one thing. But when that one talks to me, it's a whole nother thing. You get me? You feel me here tonight? When you talk to God, that's the kind of attention he gives you. I wish we could understand these things. I don't know if you understand it or not. But never before has our society been in a time that we've experienced such a state of sinful living, both in and out of the church. We are on a slippery slope here tonight. And there's people here tonight that gamble with your relationship with God every day. You know you need to do better. You know you can do better, but you don't do it. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then a tragedy hits, a circumstance hits, and it blows you away and you can't figure out why and what happened. We, we need to understand that we don't have the guarantee of tomorrow We don't have the guarantee of our next paycheck. This wonderful economy most of you are enjoying right now, the bottom could fall out of it tomorrow. I'm not trying to be a doomsday guy. I'm just trying to be real. And uh, Brother Jason mentioned that we got up this morning, you know, the body worked, the brain worked, the car worked, the house worked, all that. We're very spoiled. And when tough times come, we don't know how to handle it. A prayer life can mature you and develop you. a a prayer a consistent prayer life so when you get on that slippery slope and you pray then you understand Jude 24 that says now unto him that is able to keep you from falling the pressure is on every one of us to quit and to give in to what the devil longs to do in every one of our lives he never quits the pressure never stops had a conversation with somebody today. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be straight up honest. This past Sunday was one of the most powerful services I've been in in a long time. I did not want to be here this past Sunday. Mentally, emotionally, I was shot. Last week was a time of jubilant celebration and at the exact same time, a horrible, complex situation of grief. But I went to somebody and talked to him for a little while, and he kept me from falling. There are sinning times that are mixed in that sometimes go hand in hand with the saints praying time. God, I've sinned. Ezra, with a very heavy heart, confessed, confessed the sin of, the, of his people in Ezra chapter 9. Jeremiah did the same thing. He wept his heart out for an entire nation that was backslidden in Jeremiah 13. Everybody around was on a slippery path, including these two people. But they went to somebody and talked to that somebody, and that somebody kept them from falling. And not only that, but he kept the nation around, and the nation is still around because there were people who were willing to pray. So when you're on a slippery slope, even when you've sinned, it's not a time not to pray. It's a time to pray. I talked to you uh, one of our Wednesday nights of this material Jesus said, if you ask for this mountain to be moved out of the way, these things have to do with spiritual relationship. You can study and see for yourself. God, I hate my husband. He's like a mountain to me. Would you move him out of the way? He ain't going to answer that prayer. <clears throat> I've heard people pray it. I've heard people pray all kind of absurd things. It has to do with spiritual relationship with God. And when you're sinning, when you've sinned, and that is that guilt complex assault your conscience and you know you've done wrong you've sinned even against your your spouse or your family that mountain can be moved just like that in prayer i hope y'all are getting the point here tonight so finally the sixth season of prayer is at the moment of great faith and spiritual accomplishment. The sixth season of prayer is when you've had that moment of great faith and spiritual accomplishment. You've prayed, you fasted, you prayed, and you fasted, you prayed, and you fasted, and and God finally brought you to that great place where you can say, "Hey, man, I made it!" And God, you've done these things in my life. God, you, you've accomplished great things. I, I threw my faith out there, and you did it for whatever thing you can think of. God, you stepped in on my behalf and, and here I am. And boy, just great faith. I've left here on Sunday mornings just on cloud nine and say, man, God, you showed up today and oh, man, that was awesome and what have you. And get a text message and the whole thing can plummet. It's what the devil does. When you're excited and you're jubilant and you're celebrating He wants to rip the rug out from under you. That's what he does. So the sixth season of prayer is at the moment of great faith and spiritual accomplishment. I have to share with you all this story. It's a little personal. But this past Sunday after church, uh, I told you how I was feeling at the passing of my brother, and it's a long story. And um his family did not invite his his siblings to his funeral and whatnot. It's a very difficult time, very difficult, very hard. And so I battled through this past Sunday and just had to set my whole emotional structure aside. I just set it aside and, and came and preached my heart out. And uh, God did some amazing things. And, and when I got home, I was in our closet, the bedroom closet, at the last time I'd seen Sister Murphy, she was in the kitchen. And uh, I walked into our closet and was taking my shoes off or whatever and just talking to God. Just, God, you are amazing today. God, I'm so thankful or whatever. When I turned around, Sister Murphy was standing there, and I thought it was God there for a second. <laughs> and the female version. I about had a heart attack and leaped out of my skin. I didn't hear her come in. She didn't say a word. She just stood there grinning. And I'm like, this ain't funny. I want to take her head and just bury it in all them clothes hanging right there. She said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. I'm like, yeah, right. You meant every moment of this. Surprised you didn't have that phone up there videoing it. Interrupting my conversation with God. But I went home Sunday with great faith and felt tremendous spiritual accomplishment and i know the devil sooner or later is going to show up you remember after hurricane barry we got up here in the pulpit and talked about how god kept that storm out in the gulf and we didn't get all the flooding and all that and even the following sunday all them tornadoes that ripped through Central and, and uh, Livingston Parish, Watson, up that way. All of the families that were there that were in all of that mess. God kept his hand on them. Nobody's house was, was damaged. Nothing happened. And we were rejoicing. Y'all remember that? Hallelujah. God did it. You remember that? Well, I promise you when I got word that my brother had died, we had just arrived in Branson. Looking forward to a great time of Bible quizzing with our kids. And I got that news. Of all my siblings passing, that's the one I dreaded the most. I was at a moment of great faith and spiritual accomplishment and got waylaid. Y'all feel me? If you can discern this stuff, if you can discern it, You can figure out where it's coming from. And figure out what's going on. It won't beset you so bad. It won't knock you out of church. It won't cause you to be bitter towards God. Or your family or whoever else. You have to understand. Where these things come from. And when it happens. God can put you through a season of prayer. That will keep you. From falling. These are the times that. Perhaps the most difficult time to pray. I got in the shower in our motel room in Branson. And my brothers never had the Holy Ghost. To my knowledge, to my family's knowledge, he never liked going to church. Even as a teenager, he didn't want to go to church. Never has wanted to in his whole entire life. I got in the shower and I prayed and cried and prayed and cried and prayed and cried. And God, to please tell me where he's at right now. I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it. God nudge me, and I'll leave that story for another time. But I found in that moment when my heart was being ripped apart that if I could just talk to God for a few minutes, he'll keep me from falling. And it's the most difficult time to pray. That ain't that prayer meeting where you're feeling all warm and fuzzy and romantic with God. And let's just go out of God. Let's just go on some kind of date. And we'll have dinner. And I'll tell you how much I love you and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't that kind of prayer. The prayer I was praying was a hard one. I do not like the answer either. So when you're high with faith and at the brink of seeing God do something mighty in your life, oftentimes the devil will see that and recognize that and he'll throw a wrench in the spokes. That's the time to let God take you into a season of prayer. It's easy to forget about God during those times that we're ecstatic and with our personal lives and and things that God is doing in our lives are so amazing and great and all that, and the great revival that's about to take place in our church and our family and our kids and all that. Boom! And there's a biblical precedent here. When did God tell the children of Israel, when they marched around the walls of Jericho, when did He tell them to shout the loudest? It was right before the walls fell. Get fired up, man. You're fixing to see a victory that's gonna waylay you. Is God's gonna grand slam it out of the park? Da-da-da-da-da. What happened right after that? There's an idiot in a bunch. They decided to go in there and steal some stuff. And they ended up having a stoning ceremony. The devil. Did everything he could. To take that victory away from them. The excitement of it. What happened right after David killed Goliath? The ladies began to sing. Saul has slain his thousands. But David is ten thousands. And so for how many years did Saul chase him around Israel trying to kill him? Took the greatest victory a man's ever experienced in their life and the devil used it to take it away from him. Moments of victory require times of prayer. It requires it. When our faith is at its highest pitch out of that moment, there must be prayer to keep you plugged in so your discernment works, so your spirit is in tune with God. Folks, I've seen this happen to people all of my life. So in conclusion tonight, how far are you willing to go? The American church has kind of gotten spoiled a lot of it's gotten worldly a lot of it's gotten filled with pride there's people that i know that i believe wouldn't recognize the voice of god if it hit them upside the head it's because we've lost our ability to discern and we let situations and circumstances oftentimes get the best of us and discourage us and all of that when it shouldn't be that way God lets life happen to everybody, but he's an expert at turning the table. If you're willing to embrace the season of prayer that God is calling you to. So if we could ever get past our pride, one of the most humiliating times I've had as a pastor. I don't like to lose. I don't like to get in a fight and lose it. And I can't get past that lesson that God keeps trying to teach me that you need to get past and over all that. But one of the most humiliating times I've ever had in ministry is when our church split in Baker when we lost about a third of our people in two weeks. It was humiliating. I felt like I had failed. I felt like God failed. And I wanted to quit. You've all heard that story. The devil did his best to sift me as wheat. And it was a, it was as much a hurt thing as a pride thing with me it hurt my pride that these people walked out on me some of them i want to god personally it's hard sometimes to get past your pride when life jerks the rug out from under you and the devil is pounding you it's hard to walk into a prayer meeting all humble and say god i really need you right now you have to do it if we can get past our worldliness our spiritual lethargy, past our feelings for our rights as to somehow God owes us something. That I'm entitled. I have felt that spirit. That spirit with the elder with some of our elders. I've served the Lord for 42 years and six months and eight days. God owes me. He don't know you, Jack squat. And what you get out of him is not because he owed it to you. Just because he's being nice. Calvary was God being really, really nice. Y'all get that? <clears throat> we have to understand that. We don't get a spirit of entitlement with God. If we can get past our lack of commitment and just start praying. Just start praying. I was so proud. Godly proud, I guess. Appropriate proud. We were at Branson talking to Heidi and uh looking at her beautiful new little baby abigail and Ewan and on and when she went to pick her up to hand her to sister murphy i noticed she had on her pray first armband thing i think that was heidi was said are you wearing that thing you wore it and i thought how cool is that and it was just it brought back that whole pray first thing that we talked about a year or so ago that folks if you'll pray Don't figure it out on your own. Your money ain't going to do it for you. Your job ain't going to do it. Your marriage ain't going to do it. Your kid, none of those things. All the stuff we default to. Friends, social media, don't do it. You have to talk to God. So, how far are you willing to go? Let me, in conclusion, take away this argument that. Brother Murphy, I don't always feel like I need to pray. Did Jesus ever feel the need to pray? After all, he was God manifest in the flesh. In my opinion, he he should have never had to pray. I mean, you're God walking around on this planet. You can raise dead people and cast out. The devils are terrified of you everywhere you go. So if he prayed... If he prayed, where does that leave us? We need to pray. So I'm going to ask Grace Church tonight. Somebody was so sweet to me Sunday after church, very emotional, and said, Pastor, I know if people pray for you, I pray for you, but here for the next little while, I'm going to pray for you like I've never prayed before. You know how humbling that is. Well, There's another part to that. I'm I'm glad I've given somebody the excuse to pray a little harder. And maybe sometimes we need a reason to pray a little bit harder. Maybe that doctor diagnosis wasn't what we wanted to hear, but what did it do? It made you run to God. What does negative circumstances in your life do? If it makes you run to God, then to God it was worth it. But you know the beauty of God is when you go through the stress, and I pray this way often And I bank on this promise that he gave to Israel, and I believe it can be applicable to us today, that when you stress out over situations, and sometimes they can last for weeks and months, weeks and months, and what have you, and it just don't go away, and it seems like you age 20 years by the time you come out of it. I do. But God has an ability to restore what the canker worm and the palmer worm and all that has eaten. He can restore the years. I've been praying here lately that God, if you just let me feel like I'm 40 again, that'd be really cool. <clears throat> I don't know. Today, I've had a little bit of a giddy up in my step. Maybe it's the the person praying from Sunday. But uh, today, I I've, I've felt better today than I have in a long time. I'm thankful for the prayers of God's people. But it just can't become duty and routine and methodical. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, folks, when you're going through it and times are hard, times are tough, whatever it is you're going through, understand that whether the devil did this to you or not is not important. What it's important to understand is he's going to try to use that to turn you against God. That's when you go pray. And you don't have to come up here to do it. You can be in your car. You can be in your closet. You can be in the shower. You can be anywhere. You can be at work. It doesn't matter. You can talk to God wherever you are. And if you talk to him sincerely and passionately, you don't have to get loud. I mean, you don't have to, oh, God, in the name of you at work, you'll probably get fired. But you can talk to God. You can talk to him. And he hears every word of it. Talk to him. I'm asking you talk to him. God bless you tonight. Stand with me. Let's conclude this with thankfulness of understanding. Thankful that it was brought to our attention. If you're not praying, you need to be praying. God's done miracles in lives of everybody here tonight. Yes, he has. He's been kind to all of us. And it's just our, we should just love him enough to want to talk to him once in a while. Let's talk to him right now. Father, we love you. We're thankful for this amazing time together, this beautiful group of people that's come together to hear what thus saith the word of God. And I'm thankful, God, for your presence and power in our lives. And I pray, God, tonight that we'd be more motivated than ever because of maturity, because of spiritual development. We don't have to wait on a tragedy. We don't have to wait on heartbreak. We don't have to wait on disillusionment. But God, we're going to talk to you on a daily basis. Every day we're going to talk to you. Every day we're going to talk to you. You're going to be in our lives. You're going to be our life. You're going to be our source of help. You're going to be the ever-present help in the time of need. I pray, God, that you would move with us tonight, work with us tonight, move us to where you are, move us to where you are tonight in your will and purpose, and help us to be devoted and committed to talk to you consistently and regularly. We pray it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you've not picked up one of our prayer first booklets, if you had one and lost it, we have them on the little black bulletin board right outside the door there in the hallway. Pick you one up on your way out, take it home. But bottom line, pray. Everybody pray. God bless you. You're dismissed from the upright position. And uh, we'll see you Sunday. Uh, Come prepared for a move of the Lord. God bless you tonight.